Today on our show, it's the latest top 10, last 10, blockbuster edition. <laughs> That's right. Hit it, Paulie. Let's go. Welcome to episode 430 of the Countdown Podcast. My name is Wayne. And my name is Paul. Welcome to the podcast. We count down stuff in order of awesomeness so you don't have to. And today, one of the fan favorites, one of the topics which has endured through 430 episodes of the mm. show, the top 10 last 10, which we were given permission to use from the geniuses at Cine Realist Podcast. Do go over and check out the crew there, Mr. James Man. and Zach. Yeah, absolutely going strong and many, many hundreds of episodes. Nice. In. So do check out the boys there. Now, this is where we count down 10 films we've recently watched from shitness to best. Mm -hmm. So, in other words, in order of awesomeness. And we let you know where we cross the divide from we don't recommend to we do recommend. And I have to say, Wayne, today the options slash it's pretty barren. This is a terrible fucking list of films. I've made bad choices, Wayne. That's what I'm trying to say. I, too, have made bad choices. Very much so at the beginning of the list, as, as one might imagine. And then even my number one. I really enjoyed it, but I'm. I, it's like, oh, you know, you, 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 you I'd, I'd recommend this. I don't have anything better than three stars. <laughs> Nothing better than three stars on my list. Now, this is partly yeah. due for a number of different things, one or two of which I can't really talk about. But is it because moment. you hardly give anything more than three stars? Has it got that out of factor? <laughs> no. <laughs> that is not true. That could be anything. <laughs> that is not true. But I will hopefully in weeks to come and certainly in the next couple of months I'll be able to reveal some of why because I've been spending my time doing something else which includes watching films of a different kind. Uh, this sounds very intriguing. I don't know what he's talking no, about. No, I haven't, I haven't told Wayne. I did a while ago mention it, but... You know me. Yeah. All right, so... <laughs> we will come back to that in due course. But look, what I'm trying to say here is this is more about what films you shouldn't watch. Exactly, exactly. It's so, a, and that's it's a, just as important a public service announcement as is here is a lot of shit you should watch. Absolutely. You want to save your time. Yeah. So we are still doing the Lord's work in terms of podcasting, <laughs> <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. We we'll hope you'll stick with us for this one. We're calling it Blockbuster Edition, both ironically and also because it's summer blockbuster season. Mm. Is okay. what I'm going with. So that, that's my thing. Like we've got Indiana Jones coming out soon. We've had the Flash for what that was worth. <laughs> I liked it, you know, but okay. Spider Verse films, whatever. So this is the time of the big films of the year come. By contrast, I've got some smaller films All on right. my list. Okay. Well, before we get there though, let's kick it off with a segment which starts most every show. It's called the Recount. Who wants a recount? Who? 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 Who wants a recount? Who? The recount where we recount your messages from the week, Paul. We do, and we kick it off with the vote for episode 428, which was our top five most embarrassing stories. And this is probably why I don't put this up there, these personal stories. It's too hard to vote on. No, no, things. I like this one, and you deserve to win, oh, because well, frankly... I, I, it was it was the best story, and it absolutely needed to win. So please go. I think John Hislander absolutely nailed this. You know, new patron to the show and long term listener. Thank you, John. Said, Jay is Hooch. there a true winner in this poll? And the answer <laughs> is fucking no. Because whoever wins this is a more embarrassing idiot, and I won by a lot. The winner is the listener. <laughs> yes, twenty nine votes to six, which is a, a low vote count. I think people are just probably embarrassed about voting on this particular list. No, no. When you karate chop a piece of shit, you, my friend, <laughs> deserve to win. <laughs> 
while Julio from the Contrains said, shit, quote unquote, is right. Absolutely. It's good stuff. It's good content. <laughs> uh, Matt Rochelle was a bit disappointed by you, Wayne, so I expected Wayne's list to be a lot more embarrassing. Can I tell you something? So did I. I was thinking about it. I was like thinking about through my stuff. I'm like, I brought my what? A game. You brought your C game, Wayne. Well, here's the thing. I did have, I was going to just have five stories about when I shat my pants. But the truth is, every time I shat my pants through history, there wasn't like you know like wedding participants nearby. There wasn't there wasn't any like story up behind <laughs> it. I just shit my not pants. Shit my pants at a wedding. Sorry, no, but like it was a shit related incident. Hold on. Yeah, it was just that I shit my pants and I had to deal with it. It was it wasn't really a story, so I had to come around. So absolutely the wrong approach. You absolutely deserve to win this one. All right. Well, thank you, thank you for that. <laughs> Um, Chris Sutherland said, I've always heard Wayne Rizzi talk about his martial arts, but who knew Paul Prisola was the black belt when it came to the shoots? <laughs> <laughs> if you're missing out on this one, ladies and gentlemen, and you haven't heard the last episode. Yeah, and look, judging by the numbers, this was one of our least downloaded episodes. So really? it didn't, didn't strike a chord. It, look, if you want to laugh the shit out of us, go back and check out 428. Eric and San Pedro said, I laughed out, <laughs> laughed out way too loud in the office at Paul's poo mishap. At least you flushed it. Some people don't even bother. <laughs> you tried many times. Ah, uh, dear. And then uh, Chad Fackler said, I would like to vote for Scotty M, as it was a great story. What's Scotty M? Where you flung Scott McDonald when he, <laughs> when he flung McConnor. <laughs> but Paul, I have to say, being their brother, am I recommend the poop knife? Yes, it is a real product. What? But who carries it around? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, you probably wouldn't take that with you, Chad, to the to a wedding. I'm Actually, sure. I had a question for you, Paul. Mm. When you no, karate- let's not do this. No, no, come on. We gotta, I have to, I just here's the thing. Okay, if there's a turd floating in a bowl, right, and you karate chop it, <laughs> is the velocity of your chop such that you hit it and it just breaks in while floating, or did you have to smoosh it against the side of the bowl? <laughs> Look, some people wait. <laughs> Can chop ten planks of wood and only break the eighth one. Right, I can chop a piece of shit floating in a toilet. So you chopped it while it was floating. It. That means you had some velocity <laughs> and stank on that thing. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, very impressive, my friend. Ah, uh, yeah. Look, that's it. <laughs> I, I won. I'm not going over this again for fuck's sake. Oh, good one, stuff. one episode. With more people listening to this episode, episode four twenty eight for the full story. Before we wrap up today's recap, I want to go over to an email that we got, which is a rarity these days. Yes, so very if nice. If you really want to catch our attention, send us an email at countdownpodcast at gmail.com from Melissa, who lives in Denver, Colorado. Hello, she Melissa. wrote to us and said, hello, my beautiful boys. I've just finished the latest and greatest 420 episode, which was, of course, about the top 10 stoner movies. Yes. Came out right around the time of 420. Yep. And I want to apologize to Melissa for... Reading this email, I think it was great, and then forgetting to bring it up on the show. Mm-hmm. And she has a fun story about the interview. Oh, I love the interview. One of my favorite comedies. Which I think was also on your list. Totally. So, Seth Rogen tweeted, Hey Denver, want to get baked with me and watch my new movie, The Interview? God, it was so You can on December 8th. Email, blah, 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 blah. So, she went yes and basically checked it nonstop and got a pick me, pick me response. Well, sent that out there and a few days later got picked to go. Wow. Coolest fucking things ever happened to her, she said. Hell there have yeah. been uh, There must have been at least 100 people there, give or take. We were unfortunately were not able to smoke with them because then we were being assholes and threatened to shut the thing down. Fuckers. However, all our drinks were comped for the night, so that was pretty badass. True that. Best part is that I was sitting on an aisle and when Seth first came out, he came out with a giant bottle of tequila and was going up and down each hole pouring the booze in the mouth of whomever wanted to. Oh my God, some. that's so cool. I even got the classic Seth Rogen laugh when he got to me as I was pointing at myself frantically just repeating, yes, 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 yes. Lol. <laughs> One of the best <laughs> nights of my life. That is so cool. So thank you so much for sharing that with us, Melissa. She said she loves us so much. Wayne, your singleness continues to baffle me. You have a laugh endearing as 
Mr. Rogans. Oh, how kind. You're going to do my PR from now on, Melissa. And a person, and a personality equally, if not more, endearing than said laugh. Even kinder. Paul, you're fucking hilarious, and please keep torturing away with epic soundboard. <laughs> oh, come on. It, Damn it, Melissa. I you had me until then. To. Son of a... What you just said... Eat my balls! <laughs> insanely fucking long one! You're a cunt! Everyone in this room Shut up. is now dumb. Shut up, you piece of shit. I'm going to shit soul. in your mouth later. <laughs> Fuck. Thank you for that, Melissa. Obviously not directed at you. Just it was a great opportunity. No, to I'm play, shitting in Paul's mouth. Play the best one. No, no, yeah, I was saying this. Not what you just said. Yes, yes, yes. yes. No one listens to your. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that email. It was really, really awesome. And do come to Denver. She says it's quite beautiful. Sounds awesome. I've been to Colorado, Have but you? not Denver. Yes, there you are. So I will come. But if I turn up, I'm looking you up. There you go. Yeah, my family and I are looking at a trip to the states later this year so who knows really like yeah. thank you for that Melissa and thank you to all for, who get back to us with their feedback on the topic at hand or indeed things more generally let's get into it then on the other side of this music cue the latest top 10 last 10 Last 10 bitches is the subject of this week's countdown blockbuster season edition. So, we've already given you the warning that these aren't the greatest films in the history of the universe. I did ask the listeners for the feedback at the end of the show in the pop 10 for positive films. So, we've got some at the end. Okay, you too. Why don't you Why? start? Oh, oh, I'll yeah. take it away. Why not? My number 10 film is an absolute massive piece of shit. <laughs> you might be surprised to hear. Why uh-huh, did uh-huh. you know mm. that somewhere about two years ago? A.A. Milne's Winnie the Pooh became public domain. I did not know that. So now, you don't need permission to use Winnie the Pooh characters in whatever the fuck you wish to do with them. Really? So I'm fully expecting poo porn. Oh. And not of that kind to come <laughs> to <laughs> your, your screen should you choose to partake if you're a furry or the like. I really am not, but okay. Right. But instead, in this particular case, a gentleman by the name of Reese Frake Waterfield made a film called Winnie the Pooh, colon, Blood and Honey. Oh, God. I think I heard about this, and of course you would watch this. What the hell is it, Paul? Of course I did. It's a horror movie. It, imagining that when Christopher Robin leaves Pooh and Co. Yes. In whatever the fucking forest is called, mm-hmm. they grow what up to be was. feral animals. They're not even animals. They are walking, because they're walking, talking is it a, is characters. It, is it animated or what? Oh, God, if only it was animated. So it's a live-action-ish. No, it's a live-action film where Pooh and Piglet, they are wearing latex masks Uh. and they're just dressed like humans. And it's so fucking lame. And they murder people because they're so angry at Christopher Robin for leaving them. Yeah, that sounds like a a bunch of of, uh, six girls happen to go down near whatever forest it is on some... I say Uh. girls, they're, they're young women. Yeah. On And it's meant to be a slasher film. Perpetrated by Pooh and Piglet. It's so shit. Hang on, clearly this up for me. Is it just people with a mask on? Yes, and that's exactly what it looks like. Like, there's no attempt to make them be realistic or... Even be in a suit, like with a body suit? They've even got fucking fucking hands. Oh, that's shit. Who made this piece of shit and who watched it? Well, Well, we know the answer to one of us. (laughs) (laughs) Both of them, Reese, Frank, Waterfield. Yeah, both of them. It is... Low budget as all fuck. Look, and it made money because it is low budget as all fuck, as horror is often want to do. But it's got no 
nothing to say, nothing interesting about it, and so shoddily made and put together. The acting is horrendous. The effects are terrible. There's a couple of mildly <laughs> amusing kills, I guess, but it's just dumb as fuck. Did it get a release? Do you know? Yeah, it did. Cinematic release. Yeah, but it, like only in those like your B grade. Yeah, not here yeah. in Australia, I don't believe, but I think in the states, North America, it did possibly in the UK because I think this is a, this is a UK film. So. Oh, that's well, that's you know, it's, yeah, I would think that uh... on Letterbox, this has a distinction of having the average score of one point three stars out of five, which is really saying from thirty thousand people who have watched it. So, so you can just or make any old it. piece of shit. It. It's eighty-four minutes long. It feels like three and a half hours. Do not, under any circumstances, watch Winnie the Pooh: Colon Blood and Honey. It is as horrendous as I've made it sound. I absolutely won't. By the way, I think I heard recently that Sherlock Holmes is in public domain as well. Oh, okay. So there's a movie you can make, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to put a spin, another spin on Sherlock Holmes, you can swing that. Good luck with that. I, I mean, spun that every which way but loose. Yeah. I, you can't be Bob, Bob Downey Jr.'s one, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, nicely. Give me Benedict Cumberbatch every day. Yeah, look, th- those are the two front runners for sure. Um, okay, my number 10 oh, here is... here we go. Yeah. It's a film that you may, you may think to yourself, I know why he watched this. It's called The Female Brain. <laughs> it's from... T- <laughs> it's from 2018, right? Now, let me just explain, first of all, Okay. <laughs> There is, um, as you'll see from this countdown, I am a big fan of stand-up comedy in general, and um, a lot of comedians, American comedians in the LA scene, sort of like Joe Rogany type scene, they have specials on Netflix. One of them, there is one comedian, female comedian, her name is Whitney Cummings. She is uncharacteristically hot, even though she's a female comedian. So it's, um, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's quite the uniform. Right through the keeper. Right through the keeper. So <laughs> now this film is about I should tell you, these films are essentially vehicles. So you're that, this is an hour-long Netflix special. No, no, it's not. A, it's not a. It's a movie. It's a movie. Oh, it is an actual movie. Yeah, she okay. wrote a movie, right? Okay. But she and so, but she puts all of these guys from that scene in it. So there's a lot of the, my favorite comedians in it. That's why I watched it. Right? Okay. It also stars Toby Kebbell, who is the dude out of Rock and Roller. Yes, right. That, Toby Kebbell. He's also in one of the Planet of the Apes films. Oh yeah, he's playing an American. Oh, so. was he in Kong versus Kong Skull Island? Yeah, mm, you may well be right. The movie is about. Whitney Cummings plays a scientist who begins to look into the difference between the male and the female brain, and the results lead her to sort of like basically... Did she write this? She did write it, and it's sort of like... I also thought to myself, well, it's always nice to learn about women, you know? So... um, (laughs) (laughs) And what happens is the the conceit of the film is that whenever she or someone encounters a dating-type relationship... She'll go into, like, the, the graphics will change and it'll say, this part of the female brain flares up because they need security and da 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 da, da that type of thing, okay? Look, it's funny in places, and it's nice to well, see the comedians. Well, it's your number 10? It's, it's got about two laughs. Well, as, far two as, laughs. I, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Vindication! <laughs> no, two laughs doesn't make a comedy. <laughs> no, I would agree. No laughs makes a piece of shit. Mm. But, um, I guess this is not, this is not absolute tripe, then. It's not absolute try, but I definitely wouldn't recommend it to anyone because it does, although it does offer some insights into the female psyche for a lay person, it's for sort a, of... For a cocksmith like yourself. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to like negotiate around you saying that and I knew I couldn't, so... <laughs> it is, yeah, look, it's, again, two laughs, the odd funny thing here and there. Not interesting enough for me to remotely recommend to anyone. Okay. I would just like to give credit to whoever came up with the term cocksmith. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might have been you, because the term was coxman. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, so I think Cocksmith actually works better. Okay. So thank uh, you very much. I, 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 <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying thank you. <laughs> <laughs> if nothing else, we amuse ourselves. <laughs> Unlike my next film, number nine, Wayne, which I think is going to be on your list and much fucking higher. And this is an absolute abomination of a call from you. Oh, my God. Do you know what happens when you get two big stars together? God damn it, Paul. And, I mean, not a really famous director, but someone who's directed some good shit before and a bit of a budget behind it. And it's meant to be a kind of action thriller spy thing. And it sucks fucking balls. Do you know what they do? They sell it to a streamer. And they go, great, because every dickhead will press on that button and the streamer knows, hey, this is going to work for us. But had they dropped into theatres, it would have bombed. Like, the worst stink bomb you can imagine. I'm talking about this year's Ghosted, which came to Apple TV. Great. Not great show, but good show. Oh, God, it sucks. Really? So tell us the and, plot and I know I am in the, in the absolute majority here. <coughs> 2.1 on Letterboxd, which is really low for a mainstream film like this. Well, 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 now, now, okay, I sort of sucked the dick of this thing before it came out because when I saw the trailer and Captain America's in it. And the trailer Armas, was lackluster. I thought yeah. it was great. I said, I'll watch it right in the ass. But, okay, tell us what it's about, Paul. Well, obviously, Chris Evans, as you said, and Anna Diamas are... Chris Evans is this normal, apparently, guy who looks like Captain America. <laughs> yeah, I know. Who's working... <laughs> You know what, though? I have seen normal good-looking men in the past. Like, I've seen the guys like, you have definitely a good-looking guy, almost movie-level star, but for some reason, you haven't got a million hoes, you've just got about ten. Or <laughs> women. Yes. And so, <laughs> and so I've actually seen this before, because I know a guy who's actually, like, by the numbers, good-looking. If you didn't open his mouth and you just saw a picture of him, you go, that guy's going to do great. But for some reason, women just go, ugh, to him. I'm not saying that's this Chris Evans character. But it does happen. So maybe, maybe. Anyway, keep going you're on. making excuses already for what, All right, is, go what on. is the, the smallest flimsy part of this film. <laughs> so Anna de Armas, apparently, she presents herself as, I don't know, a bookseller or whatever the fuck it is. But in actual <laughs> fact, she's a CIA operative and she's got problems with, with connecting and commitment. And so they hook up in an unlikely set of circumstances. The meat cute is god awful. It's fine. Movie. It's fine. He's in the car. She's in the car. Yes, yeah, it's fine. It's embarrassing and awkward. And then this film decides to <laughs> triple down on that. By having some of the most inanely shit action that you've seen in a film in so long. What's wrong? Their chemistry is negligible. It's almost like a vacuum of chemistry. No. How do you have these two people who are so fucking hot and yet they're meant to be not into each other, but they're going to be into each other by the end? I bought not it. sell it. I bought it. I don't know what the hell you were happening that day for you, Wayne. Here's the problem, right? What you have here is a, is a dynamic where, look... In a Hollywood rom-com, it's always the guy chasing the girl. If it's the girl chasing the guy, she's sad. Okay? So she's never going to be sad. So it was always going to be that dynamic. Now, the thing about this one is that... That's fine. Yeah, I understand. And then Chris Evans, like, uncharacteristically goes... And that's the whole point of the movie. He follows her to London because she goes to him. Which is the most... <coughs> stalkery shit stalkery, ever. Stalkery, over-the-top, ridiculous decision anyone's ever made. Yeah. Even for Anna de Armas. And here's the thing, though. And this I've always held this to be, like, the absolute truth in real life, Paul. Creepiness is a factor of how unattractive you are. Yes, and he's creepy as fuck. But he's Chris Evans, so it's fine. No, see what I'm saying? No, it doesn't Listen, work. It's if some guy's leering at a woman and she's like, ooh, uh, that guy's making him feel uncomfortable. Oh, wait, it's Chris Hemsworth. Oh, that's fine. She's going to be fine with it. <laughs> okay. So anyway. Ladies. <laughs> or gay men. If Chris Hemsworth, you went on a date with them and you weren't interested in him and you went to another country the next week and Chris Hemsworth turned up there and said, 
hey, <laughs> would you be cool with that? <sighs> See what I'm saying? The yeah. premise of the film alone sucks. All right, all right, and then all you right. add in Adrian Brody. I don't know what the fuck he's doing in this movie. He is so ridiculously A, miscast, and B, hammering it up in all the wrong ways. Well, that's the, so this is a PG film, okay? Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the fact that they're... The PG is actually the problem. Because I'll tell you, if they give you like an M or something like that, you could do a lot more with this film. You could put more violence in there. You could put more racy humor in there. This is a kid's film. This is a, not a kid's film, but it's like a matinee. It's like a, it sucks. You know, it fucking sucks. Look. It is absolutely one of the, world, the year's worst and could well find its way out into my worst of the year. Oh, come on now. This movie sucks. And again, I'm telling you, I am just beating the drum that everyone else has beaten before me. People right. hate this fucking movie. All right, so let me tell you. The reason I had, again, this is on my list. It's higher up, but it's not high. First of all, enjoy the interplay. I, I think Chris, I think Chris, Chris, what is Captain America? What was the shit running joke in this movie, which literally had my wife also slapping her forehead, if not literally, then metaphorically? Which one? The running joke? What was it? It was, uh, I can't remember one. Uh, there was a running gag between the two of them, which was so overplayed that I've actually now forgotten. I was about two months ago watching the movie, so. Me too. Um, but like, I thought that Chris Evans was playing the, his, you know, the comedic chops or whatever, which you could, I, I enjoyed him being the, the sort of bumbling guy for, for a change, rather than Captain America. My issue is, though, that the, the trailer for this film suggested something. Okay? It suggested something. Are and you that, being vague for spoilers? Yeah, but fuck it. I'm just going to tell it to you, okay? Ready but, up. 30 seconds <laughs> fast forward if you don't, if you still idiotically want to see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So according to the trailer, it looks like it hints to you that he's also a CIA operative. Does it? Yeah. Because oh. it says actually, and that is actually ends up being a throwaway line that they sort of cut into the no, trailer. They, they, they assume he's it because there's this whole. Gender, he's Captain America. Gender politics thing, and he's the guy, so therefore he must be the spy. Well, actually, what they're doing is, because the, the, the line is delivered to Anadarmus saying, has it ever occurred to you that he may be an, an operative or whatever? And then they cut to him doing a bit of cool action, right? But that turns out to not be the case in the movie, and I'm like, I was waiting for that moment. I was like, no, no, I need him to be something more interesting competent. than just a little bitch. Well, he becomes competent because of his love for her. He just becomes confident because there was one really funny bit in the movie where the. <laughs> no, the, it wasn't. No, there was, there was. The woman who was putting the lie detector test on him kept talking, she was sort of like She's cracking onto him, and that was really funny. And so, I don't know. I, I the only funny sequence of this film is a massive spoiler because there's a lot of cameos in it, and that briefly resuscitated the film, but then it, it oh, unfortunately very cameo. quickly died after that. That was a great cameo. And I actually went, <laughs> when it, it just one, several of them. So. Several. But that, the one thing I'm thinking, you're talking about. Yeah, okay. All right, so you didn't like Ghosted. I, I didn't mind it. it. I didn't mind it at all. It wasn't the best, though. What a sure. terrible, terrible decision to make that film. Look, and I get it. Like, I can't remember who it was that said this recently. It might have been even Chris Hemsworth talking about Thor, Love and Thunder. And he said, you just don't know when you're working on a movie. You have a sense maybe sometimes that scene's gone a bit too far or that's not going to work. Or Absolutely. It's all up to the director. Or and the vice editor. versa that, oh, this is going to be... Killer, this is going to play so well. But you never know until it hits the theatres. Absolutely not. People either turn up or don't, whether it's going to be a hit or not. I assume they thought this would be a hit, given the cast that they've got. But I'm surprised that it wasn't. Yeah. You know, I mean, Dexter hey. Fletcher basically proved himself to not be a real action director. The moment that lost me in this movie, one last point, is when there's an escape thing happening in the middle of the desert, escape scene, and mm-hmm. they're driving a bus, and a guy is displaced from his bike or horse, whatever it is, and he's flying past the window in slow-mo and Chris Evans looks at him and it's like, oh my God. I thought that was okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Tough, tough, tough. Awful, tough room. awful. Tough room. Okay. <laughs> well. Uh, what do you got for number nine? My number nine is, okay, this is the last of these, but 
there is a comedian named <laughs> Bert Kreischer. Wait, stop fucking watching comedian <laughs> films. Is this called The Machine? Yeah. Oh my god. Have you seen I, it? I, in the chat, I'm in on the on the two piece on a podcast. Gerald, great show, and Nick Haskins joining him over there yeah. very shortly. Epic, ex epic film guy, ex Nikolai's kitchen guy. Two powerhouses coming together. Good to hear. They were well. Gerald's been absolutely banging on about how much he hates this movie. He put up like a, a camera for the TikTok or Instagram video, but it's like 20,000 views. Him shitting on this movie. <laughs> Who, Gerald? Yeah. That's hilarious. Okay. This is, ladies and gentlemen, this comedian, and I'm not just whistling Dixing here. I went to see this guy live when he came to Perth. And this is the guy I told you about, Paul, where he comes out, often the American comedians will come and they'll start on Perth because it's the West Coast and then they go all the way on, they end up in Sydney, all right? He comes out, first show in Australia, doesn't know the Australian crowd, doesn't know the audience, doesn't know the sensibility here, right? And they often try all the material out in Perth because it's the first time, right? Right. He comes out, this is not my joke, this is his joke. It's obviously racist, can we just be careful? I'll just tell you what he said, right? He walked out and the first thing he said was, so I was watching some Aboriginal porn the other day. (laughs) And the whole crowd just, boom, dropped. And I was like, what the fuck? And everyone was like, oh, and he felt it, he went, whoa, like this? And I'm like... You don't understand anything, right? So that's the kind of guy he is, right? He talks about it on his show as well, right? I know, I know. Do I have to edit that whole thing? No, you don't, you don't. It's fine. I'm just reporting, Paul. I'm just reporting. Someone else said it. absolutely don't. We don't endorse it. Absolutely not. not. For one second, and you obviously reacted with horror as well. The whole theater went, oh, like that. It was audible. I've never seen a crowd, someone lose a crowd so quickly. Anyway, that's the kind of guy he Did he recover or was the show shit? No, he he recovered because like his, if you look on Netflix, um, there's a guy on there. He actually takes, he's a fat guy and he takes his shirt off when he does his whole show. So he's sort of this fat guy doing a shirtless show and that's it. Anyway, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, he's got a famous story where he, as a youngster, was in a fucking, he's in Russia on like some, field trip or something and he actually hooked up with Russian mobsters and they love him because he's the machine and he's got a reputation for partying and so on and he, they robbed the whole train that's like this his whole comedy act right this is a dramatization not of that but of him years later having been picked up and has to go back to Moscow and it's this kind of a movie where you know something that was stolen was a mobsters thing yada 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 now it is I would say a so-so to not so good comedy action well, film. It's number nine on your list of a shit list. Yeah, maybe two laughs, this one. Also two laughs. Also two laughs. Two laughs, right? If you're not a fan, don't bother. And I'm not a fan. <laughs> well You went and saw him live. No, I here's a show here's a podcast with Tom Segura who I do love, right? Called Two Bears One Cave. And so occasionally he's like that. I do find him a bit annoying. Oh, he's the guy from there. Okay. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so uh, yeah. The machine. If Gerald's anything to go by, it's a piece of shit. But um, you know, there you go. I gave it a try. <laughs> All right, my number eight is a film which is available on Amazon Prime. It's called Nanny. It's advertised as a horror film. It's from fucking Blumhouse. (laughs) (laughs) Which you keep watching shit from. I know. I'm a fucking idiot. (laughs) Um, It's directed by an African-American woman named Nikatu Jisu. And it's about a a woman. Maybe she's not even American. I'm not sure. African woman. She It's about follows a nanny who's from... Senegal. Yep. And she's in living in New York and she becomes a nanny for like Michelle, what's her name, Monaghan. Oh, really? And she's the sort of the big name in the film and, and her husband played by Morgan Spector and she's really good at her job and she's got a son back home and she's ho- hoping to save enough money to bring the son over to join her here, which is an all too often story for sort of immigrants into different sort of Western cultures. And it's purported and advertised to be a horror film. Mm. Oh my god! 
It is painfully melodramatic and boring and one or two things that tries to sell you as being scary when she has visions or dreams of shit. So there's no gore. Oh, there's, there's no gore whatsoever. So it's horror in the way that it's dready and sort of somber Supposedly, and that kind of thing. Okay. It fucking sucks. This whole movie sucks. I prefer those to slashers, but that's me. Uh, you, you would literally fall asleep, Wayne, in this movie. Really? You and just about anyone watching this movie. It's so not engaging. The lead actor, who's played by Anna Diop, is very... It's good. And it's, she's the saving grace in this movie. Mm-hmm. She's so... Not Michelle? No. Michelle's playing like this overworked kind of mum and it's just boring. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Does nothing. But whereas she's selling the complexity of, of her character and what internally is hell- happening within her. Mm-hmm. But the reveal of what is happening is so <laughs> telegraphed. You will know from 20 minutes in where this film is going. Yeah. Is this... um? Is, is what was going and then it wraps up like... Because it's 99 minutes. And the, the last... Yeah, well, arguably thankfully, but... Like it's gone so slow through the first eighty-five minutes. Yeah, it's almost it needed almost another half an hour then to breathe post the reveal. Okay, but it doesn't just goes montage, 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 end. Okay. Oh, for fuck's sake, who made that decision? Garbage. The, the nanny? The, no, just nanny. Just nanny from okay. last year. <laughs> Terrible film. Imagine if it was Fran Drescher. All right. <laughs> Mister <laughs> <laughs> Sheffield. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. Nice. <laughs> Whatever you do, one of those, it's always the most, like, yeah, cutting version of that woman's voice. Well, very good, very good. I think, um, I think I was more accurate, let's be honest. No, no, Bad that's what I mean. It's, it plays, it plays. So, <laughs> All right, my number three, oh, sorry, my number eight, yes. right, is a movie, I think you talked about this one. Okay. It's called Triple Threat. I have talked about it on one. Aiko Uwais. Right, Aiko Uwais, uh, Tony Jaa, and Michael Jai White. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Now look, ever since that, if that doesn't scream triple threat. What does? <laughs> well, look, ever since um, Spawn, the movie, mm-hmm. and remember, Michael J. White was in The Dark Knight. Okay, so I'm just saying, it's not like he's not an actor. It's a chop socky kind of like, um, like a, uh, <laughs> like a martial artsy you kind of. Stop working that word into every fucking episode just to shoot me. <laughs> to quote Samuel Jackson in the latest Secret Wars thing. She's like, you can't say that anymore. No, you can't say it. (laughs) (laughs) It starts with this group of soldiers invade a jungle full of Asian folks. And then the soldiers include Michael Jai Wyatt and these two token Asians, Tony Jaa and another guy. And then they go and they kill everyone in the camp. And it turns out the soldiers are actually soldiers of fortune. And they're mercenaries. And basically the the, the two two Asian soldiers and the one Asian guy in the camp, they go and take revenge on them because basically they sold them out. And so basically at the end of it, it's just a bunch of fights. Now, I will say... A movie like this is all about the action, so the acting blows, it really, really blows, the plot is bullshit, and there's a subplot involving a hot Asian heiress, but who cares? You also forgot Tiger <laughs> Hu Chen is one of the triple threats. It's not actually Michael J. White. And Scott Atkins is also in this movie. Sorry, Scott Atkins is the best thing about this film. He plays a British kind of... Well, because I know he's a, he's a stuntman, martial arts dude. He's awesome. And the one good thing I will say about this is that when you've got these three feet tall Asian guys trying to take out a what I assume to be at least six five sort of white guy who can fight about as well as them, at least they play it where they it's two on one because he can definitely kick the shit out of one of them one to one, but they often do two to one right and sometimes three to one and he holds his own. He's definitely the best thing about the film, but I will still say that the action, while good in some places, put it this way, it's not the raid. It's not oh, even close God. to the raid. Tony Jaa needed to do more roundhouse inverted knee strikes because that's a very cool move that he has. But what made what it made me do is because Tony Jaa was in um, Ong Bak when I mm-hmm. just saw when I was a kid, and that film is the actually Protector is that his other one? That's Jack Chan, Jackie Chan. 
Oh, yeah. You know, what's it called? The one where it's a big one shot going up the staircase. Oh, they, that may well be uh, 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 called The Protector, but yeah, anyway. Um, he jumps over cars and shit in that movie. It's actually amazing what he can do, and it's very big on knees and elbows because it's all that kind of style. But this, he's like, he's got to be my age now, <laughs> kind of thing, right? And you can see how he slowed down. And you go, oh, that's right, we're all slow and old now. <laughs> but it was like, it's fine. It's yeah, like I said. Uh, if you like uh, actually like Hong Kong cinema and stuff like that, not that this is that this is Indonesian cinema, I guess it's okay. But I definitely wouldn't go out of my way for it. I watched this movie four and a half years ago, and my response to that was, it's so over edited. The fighting as well it doesn't feel like it doesn't breathe in this day and age of letting the yes. the actors who are good martial artists or the stunt people who are excellent martial artists do their thing, it, this film doesn't have it. It's like, cut, 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 cut. Yeah, if if the action sequences in, in The Raid were 10 out of 10, this is like sort of 5.3 out of 10. So not worth your time, ladies and gentlemen. Stay away from the triple threat. Yep, fair enough. My number seven, I can't remember if you talked about this on a recent top 10 last year, Wayne, but I was, I'm not disappointed because yeah, I think you and other people are giving their heads up, but it's not a good film, 65. Oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, tell me what you think about this one. It's Adam Driver, yeah? Yeah, Adam Driver. So this is written by Scott, written and directed by Scott Beck and Brian Woods, who who created the concept for A Quiet Place and A Quiet Place Part 2. Oh, yes. That's their resume, mm-hmm. if I can call it that. And so here's where they've been given the keys and you can direct it as well. And it basically follows a... And this is the most baffling thing about this movie to me. There are baffling things. Keep going. There's interstitial title cards over the opening credits, telling you this is set 65 million years ago, hence 65. Mm-hmm. And that this dude, Adam Driver, mm-hmm. is an interstellar traveler yep. who crash lands on a planet, which turns out to be Earth. 65 million 65 years ago. 65 million ago, where the dinosaurs are still rolling around because we haven't had the, the strike from the, the big asteroid meteor, whichever it is, that, that destroys, mm-hmm. basically, the dinosaurs. I think this film was originally written to be none of that's revealed. And you're just with someone who you think is in the future and is traveling through space, doing his thing, lands yep. on a planet, and then it you gradually dawns on you. And that film would have been better. Yes. It would have been great, but it would have been solid. They treat you like such a fucking child with this movie. And Adam Driver's trying his level best, but this film sucks. The CG sucks most of the time. The action's poorly it's, shot and put together. There's something so incredibly ho-hum about the whole film, really given what it is. boring. Yeah, it's a boring film. Yep. And it's amazing how this kind of thing, like, I don't know how, this is a, probably a, a good example of how execution is everything. And maybe on paper this sounded good, but, like, it seems like something like, I mean, like you said, I mean, if there was a big reveal, like the Galact- Battlestar Galactica reveal, oh, this is Earth, you know, at the very, very end, that probably would have been something. But... Clearly, the marketing department's like, no, 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 we gotta, we gotta try and explain the sixty-five shit. Yeah, because well, studio. I just felt it, this film feels like studio interference. The movie. Yeah, you know what? I suspect the Flash was much the same. If you look at how Michael Keaton is is introduced in the Flash, his head is his face is covered by the hair. That's why he's got that big Lebowski look. And it's not till the end of that scene that you actually see his face. I reckon they weren't. It was supposed to be a surprise that Michael Keaton was in there, but instead they put it in the trailers and all this sort of shit. And that's what foxes yeah, up. So that'll happen. That's, I think mm. that may have happened here as well. All right, there you go. Well, although they they go looking for anyway. anyway. <laughs> Let's not talk about fucking the Flash anymore. <laughs> Very disappointing. My number seven, sixty-five. All right, my number seven is. <laughs> I don't know why I watched this. It's the Gerard Butler movie called Plane. Oh, right? I've got that on my watch list. I haven't watched it. All yet. right, uh, here's my review of Plane. 
Plane is a big, dumb Gerard Butler movie your dad will love. <laughs> I'm a dad. I know. It's like, it's about, okay, so it's about the pilot of an Airbus, right? Gerard Butler, who's flying a relatively empty flight of about 20 people. And they encounter bad weather, and the plane gets struck by lightning, and they got to crash land on an island, which happens to be in the Philippines, run by separatists, where there is no government. Side note, the Philippine government have had a big problem with this movie, saying that there are no fucking islands like that, and the, the Philippine government loves it. Army isn't scared to go anywhere, which is what they say in this film. Okay. Right? Now, I expected this to be shit, but it's actually not that bad. And I'll be straight up with this. This is why it's seven. It's like middling, okay? Well, it's low You're middling. Middling, damn. Damn, we're yeah. not there yet. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it's good, though, right? Okay. It's, it was just fine. It's exactly what you'd expect. The two leads are likable. You're on board with their motivations. I was assuming there would be annoying passengers, which I didn't want to watch, but that was kept to quite a minimum, so that's a good thing. Nice. Sounds almost positive, Wayne. No, is it's... This, are you recommending here and, and above? Because <sighs> your list is so much better than mine. If Depends it who you are. All right, look, if you don't care about... Like this is just as this is another solid sort of sinewy throwback to the old fashioned actioners, which was like a mid nineties, like a mid nineties movie. So it's for anyone who doesn't like any nonsense bulking out their movie titles like plot, um, <laughs> or like a play, it's like <laughs> damn. It's like it's just like Gerard Butler. He picked up the vest Bruce Willis dropped a few diehards ago, and so he seems to be taking on this old school action guy who's got a, a vague military past, but he's a pilot now. You're not quite sure what he did, mm. and that kind of thing, you know. So. It's, um, he's going to get home to his family. He's, of course he's going to get home to his family, all right? And that's the whole thing about this. So I don't know. I mean, look, like I said, because I was expecting shit, it's probably not terrible. But like, I'm still not saying go out of your way and look yeah. at this. Right. Uh, it's on Amazon, I think. But yeah, it's, uh, you could, it's a night in and it's rainy outside and you've got <laughs> nothing else to think about and you just want to throw something on mindless. Yeah, this is fine. Okay. My, my number six is a film from way back in 1994. And I watched this series of films with my daughter. I'm halfway through the third one now, which is one of the biggest pieces of shit that I've had the misfortune of watching. Number two, however, is okay. It's not good. And it's not as good as the first one. What am I talking about? It's a sports film. D2 colon The Mighty Ducks. Wait, the the old, old The Mighty Ducks? Yeah. Emilio Estevez? Yeah. Oh, I've never seen any of these. I've seen the first Mighty Ducks way back in the day, but I hadn't seen D2 before. So I stopped. Because by the time D2 comes out, it's 1994, we're 19 years of age. I couldn't give a fuck about a, a sport. About a sport which I do not follow nor understand. No, we, ice hockey. I've seen one ice hockey game. I've seen oh, you, you one more than me. Hmm. I've watched Miracle. It's a solid film. I've seen the one with Sean William Scott as yeah, yeah. the enforcer. Goon, um, I think that's yep, called. Yep, yep, yep. But as a whole, ice hockey completely fucking bamboozles me. It, you're allowed to do what? You're allowed to fucking smash some... Person against yeah. the wall and cripple them, <laughs> but if you smack your stick against the side in anger, you're sitting in the sin bin for two minutes. What the fuck is this sport? This is the thing, right? I actually the, the game I saw was live in motherfucking Dallas or someplace. I can't remember what it was. It was actually a scrimmage game, and literally within five minutes, it was a fight. Fight, right? Yeah. And it's like bang, 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 bang. And they've got rules as well. Like they were. Do they? I don't believe it. They take off the gloves and fight. Yep. Right? So it's like, and they can't swing a stick at you because that's bad, but they can punch you right in the face, right? <laughs> And drop your. What a great sport, dude! There's actually a there's a band called Five for Fighting, and that's actually a term for ice hockey. Right, like you get five minutes in the box for fighting, but the whole point is the fans are there to see the fight, and they boo the refs when they come out. Let's get away from my review, <laughs> my review of, of fucking ice hockey and what I understand of it from from films. But this film, the first film, is the very quintessential underdog story. Bunch of misfits coming together under the coach of a reluctant coach. Mm-hmm. 
who bonds them together as a team and they win. The second film is somehow because of that, and I never understood this about the first movie, he's just coaching some team from some area, but they win the whole peewee hockey for the country? Okay. Okay. But now he said, hey, can you coach Team USA in the Winter Olympics, basically? <laughs> that's going to be held in LA because that makes sense. LA is it the hold. same team? Well, that's the thing. He then, apparently there's no selection process for... <laughs> For the fucking American hockey team, you know, a country of now 270 million people, then whatever it was, he just goes, brings his whole fucking team with him the and, Mighty add, Ducks. and adds three or four players to it. Hang on, hang on. Aren't they kids? <laughs> yeah, it's peewee hockey. It's under whatever it is, under 15. There's an Olympic event like that? I don't know. All right. Wait a minute. Is PC from Dawson's Crack in yes. this? Joshua Jackson is, okay. is the main kid through all three of these films. This is a very well-known series, and like this is a like a lot of like the Yanks that I know are like yeah, this is like a, a shot from a childhood kind of thing. Yeah. So um, shit on a few people's show. This film fucking sucks. <laughs> really? I mean, it's it's still got the come from behind. You know, there's the bad guys you want them to win, and it does tap into that. So it's not a horrendous piece of shit, but it's not a pass. This film is clunky and awkward and ridiculous and starts down certain paths, which it just gives up on. Like, there's a relationship between Emilio Estevez and, and the physio on the, there's other, be some chick in there on the other team. But no, he doesn't pursue that, even though she's increasing. I thought she would somehow help him out. No, it's the weirdly awkward looking tutor on their team. He kind of has a thing. But that makes no sense because in the first film, he was involved with the mom of Pacey. So, oh, really? Uh, it's just really badly written. It's got some okay ice hockey moments in it, but the whole time I'm just going, that's allowed? I've, Holy shit. I've never seen any of these films. And it's, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a sports movie. So it's a sports movie. You know how it's going to end. It's, it's not fucking nuanced like a Rocky film. Let's yeah, put it that way. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. Mighty Ducks is pretty shit. And, but I tell you what, this film is head and shoulders above number three, which is. Oh, I there's can, a I can see where that this fucking franchise ended. That film is reprehensibly bad. Really? Emilio Esfes has a good sense to, to bow out in the first three minutes of the movie. So, Oh, really? Yeah. Paycheck out. Okay. Fair enough. Well, my number six is Ghosted. So. That's weird. Okay. It's not as high as I was fearing. Did you yeah. give it three and a half stars? I don't know. Fuck, man. You gotta, if you give us something three and a half stars, you're recommending it. Yeah, I like it. I like Ghosted. I do recommend it. So here we are. Wayne crosses the line. That's, again, way higher than me. My number five is film I think you've spoken about before on a top ten last week, Enola Holmes. Oh, did you like it? No. This is the first one or the second one? First one. Won't watch the second one. No need. The second one actually isn't that good. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This one isn't that good. This one was fine. Huh? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's... it's Directed by Harry Bradbeer, starring everyone's favourite Stranger Things alum, Millie Bobby Brown and Henry Cavill as Sherlock Holmes and Helena Bonham Carter as, her, as their, as their mum. Yeah, I watched it with my daughter, thinking she might get behind the whole, you know, female... Little girl. That's what I thought it would be for. Protagonist. And no, nah, we were all bored. And it sets up certain things and never really follows through on them well. Let me ask you this. The reason I was pleasantly surprised was uh, how well Millie Bobby Brown related to the camera. Because she talks to the oh, camera. Yeah, the fourth wall breaking is fine. But it's... I didn't think it was funny enough or clever enough or... She's charming though, no? <sighs> she's a charming kid. Yeah, she's... Fine, but she's doesn't not good enough to elevate this film. Henry Cavill is wasted. He's only week. got two. It's like he's like he's, he's just in for a second. Completely wasted. Plus, he's still Superman, so it looks like he's bust. He's poured yeah. into this outfit. I'm like, why is Sherlock Holmes so fucking buff? <laughs> uh, it's just weird. It's like yeah. they should put looser clothes on him or something. But that was yeah. I, I needed more. I need she's smarter or a better fighter. Or she just needs to be as a protagonist better than she was because the whole time she's. I know it's an origin story, but an origin story of a character that doesn't exist before this particular film, but I needed her to be better. 
I think, to enjoy it more. She seems to be chasing her tail most of the time and getting beaten up other half of the time, almost dying. Like, like, where's the moment where she triumphs? It's very rarely there. There's a moment. Even the- even when at the end of the film where, you know, they're not uh, obviously it's Nola Holmes too, so she doesn't die. Mm. Even where she succeeds, it's like more through happenstance than anything else. I sort of remember that. The one scene I remember in the film was where like she's in a fight of some sort and someone dunks her head in yes. water. There's, there's that point of view shot. From yeah, and then she actually, she was oh, and then she looks at the camera and winks and then does something and then she gets out of it. I thought that was quite a clever way to get out of, oh my God, you're beating up a little girl. Do you know what I mean? For a show like this. So I think, I actually didn't mind it, but I'll tell you this. Do not go see number two if you didn't like this one. Wow. Number okay. two sucks. Well, thank you for the confirmation of what we had already concluded in our house. <laughs> what do you got for number five? All right. My number five is a film from 2021 called The Birthday Cake. Hmm, never heard of it. All right. So check this out, right? These are the people in it. Ewan McGregor, Lorraine Bracco, Val Kilmer, Big Pussy from fucking um, Sopranos. I can't remember his name. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> the lead guy I have never heard before, and I can't remember his name either. But I've never seen him before or since. Um, <laughs> Tells you a lot about this movie, but why young, he recommends it? Well, here it is. Okay, it follows this youngish fellow who's an innocent young man brought up in a mafia family set in New York. Ten years ago, his father was killed and stuffed in a trunk. Oh, sorry. Bill Fitchner is in this. Our boy Bill Fitch- Fitchner. Oh, yeah? William Love Fitchner. William Fitchner, yep. yeah. So, um, and so anyway, so he was, yeah, 10 years ago, his father was killed. Everyone's like taking care of him and the family, whatever. And then what happens is every every year he goes to this mobster, all the mobster, all the old mobsters' houses and they celebrate his dad's birthday. And his mom cooks them a cake or bakes them a cake, which he takes to them. She never turns up though because she has some kind of beef with the rest of the mobsters. Anyway, this movie follows him walking around New York and... People who he knows who are obviously tied up with the mafia. He's a good kid. He's not actually a mafioso, right? But people are saying, hey, where's your cousin Leo? What's going on here? This kind of thing. And you, as, as you go through the movie, you find out that something is happening with this film where it's like, mm, there's something's going on. Too many people are asking about this cousin, which we don't know who he is. And you're sort of, it's unraveling as he gets through. And it's actually highly stylized, but also oddly blandly oh, filmed. I've seen this trailer. Yeah. Yep. And the director has this sort of understated styles, a lot of close-up angles, kind of like a Tony Scott film in, like, in mm-hmm. that way. Okay. It was good and entertaining throughout. So I do recommend this film, but I'll say this. You are kept guessing as an audience member. There's an oddly out-of-place voiceover by Ewan McGregor, who's playing a priest, and he's sort of telling you what's going on in the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, would have been handled better as exposition. Val Kilmer is using his own vo- voice. Like, you know, he's got that okay. voice box with right. subtitles. That's how, that's how you know, off it is. I will say this. This could have been an excellent film. As is, it's okay. It's okay. It was heading to be excellent, but then there's a couple of loose ends and not quite slick enough storytelling to sell how gritty and well-made it was. Very good a lot of the time. Doesn't hold together quite perfectly, but because it, this is like almost like I would say I have no idea who this director is, but it's like it, it feels like it's his first promising film, and maybe three films from now he'll be really good at it. Okay. So, but it wasn't bad; it was still pretty, pretty good. Okay. All right. My number four. Thank you for that. No problem. Is I think my referenced on the top ten Asian films last week that we did. It's called The Big Four, appropriately enough. Directed by Timo Chijanto. It mm-hmm. is an Indonesian action comedy film. Okay. It's on Netflix. Widely accessible to everybody else. It's this hyper-violent, hyper-stylized sort of action romp where but a it, comedy. it veers into slapstick custard pie comedy okay. quite regularly. The problem with this film, it's 140 minutes long. And it absolutely <sighs> does not need to be. And also, I don't... This guy directs action so well. Yeah? The comedy's so awkward. Oh, really? So anytime it goes, yeah, I'm like, oh, fuck off. Is- 
But anytime the action's unfold, I'm like, yes, give me more of this, please. You know where this whole thing came from? This is a, this is real Hong Kong cinema. Like Jackie Chan, right? And like Samo Hung and that whole crew. It was always action scene, action scene, action scene. At the end, there's a laugh. And that was the idea behind that. So I, it wouldn't surprise me that Maybe he's going to just try and inject both in there. This guy directed The Night Comes For Us. Ah, that's the problem, right. Paul. But that one's a straight-laced, <laughs> yeah. far less comedic version thereof. And this one, it basically follows a, a female police officer joins with the sort of down on their luck assassins, crew of assassins to investigate the murder of her father. Well, actually, the film tells you very, very early on in the first scene virtually mm. that he, he's their father as well. Yep. So that's come as this joining together of, of these people who are linked their his adopted family and he's trained them for a purpose and she is his real daughter and, and so mm. it goes from there. So he's dead by 15 minutes into the movie and okay. it goes on from there. And had we just stuck to the... The ridiculous over-the-top bad guys and the ridiculous over-the-top action, this one would have been fucking class. So the comedy being mishandled fucked it up. Yeah, for me. But, but maybe other people will enjoy it more. So you're not recommending this one? Uh, right on that boil. If, yeah. you, if you like the idea of action and comedy, give it a shot, 100%. Yeah. If you're like, but you say the comedy uh, didn't sounds work. a bit too over-the-top for me, don't bother. Tell me the title again. The Big Four. The Big Four. Yeah, and I recommend you could give this a shot, Wayne. Okay. This might be sort of, sort of falling to wheel. Not like a, oh, four and a half stars, but you might go, yeah, yeah, solid three and a half. That's yeah, good. Yeah, that's it. This is the hard thing about when you're recommending movies. I don't recommend anything that's like, I don't think it's fucking great. Because if you say, oh, this is okay, everyone's like, yeah, it was okay, but I'd rather see something that you really loved. It's, you know? it's, I mean, you can't recommend everything to any, everyone. Absolutely. Or anything to be everyone. Careful. You yes. have to say, blah. So I will definitely say from three onwards, I'm recommending. Sure. As sure. long as you are into what I'm describing. Yep, but if yep. you're not, Oh, I love musicals and blah, blah, blah. Then don't bother with at least all three of my top three. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, okay, my number four is a movie that I once said to Paul, hey, we should cover that for the show in a main review. Okay, well, got and, to number four. That's not bad. Yeah, it's, um, but then it lasted for about 12 seconds at the cinema. And I actually couldn't get to a session because there was only one oh, six thirty session. Robert Rodriguez, hypnotic, yeah. <laughs> hypnotic by with Robert Rodriguez. It's got Batfleck this in it. This has got absolutely caned by the reviews, has it? By the critics, yeah. All right, let me tell you about this. Right, we have Bill Fitchner in this again. Wow! Right? So he's getting around. Ben Affleck, Alice Braga, William Fitchner, and yeah, he's the bad guy, right? Well, yeah. Well, okay. It's hard to say because right, well, here's what All right, here he is. Right. So it's about um, Ben Affleck is a policeman. And he has he has a missing daughter. Like his, his daughter just disappeared one day when he's out in the park with her. So he's dealing with that, and he's trying to. Uh, he finds himself spiraling down a rabbit hole while he's investigating, you know, a series of reality bending crimes. He finds this psychic uh, woman who, like, he doesn't believe in or anything like that. And it comes to light that basically there are people in the world who are called hypnotics. Who, and by the way, he's also has, he's sort of like he's doing sort of hypnotherapy as well a little bit, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> Don't give too much away. No, but like basically, well, trust me, this is on, this is like literally the first act of the movie, right? Okay. And these hypnotics can control people, and it's not just a case of I can hypnotize you. They can literally they like special fucking they can change the whole point of your life kind of thing to do whatever they want to do, right? Wow, and that's what it is. Now, I was watching <laughs> for, during the first act. I'm looking at it, going, so this is Ben Affleck, this is Batman, all right? So he's a big star. You need to get over the Batman thing, man. Okay, but even <laughs> even before that, he's Ben Affleck, right? He's a A-lister, sure. right? And Robert Rodriguez is not exactly a B-list director. He's like he's done some Fast of our in that films. direction. Yeah, I know. Spy kids, man. It's because of that, all right? But like other than that, yeah, I know. Whatever. Okay. And I'm sitting there going, if you think about that premise I just told you, it's like this is an MOW, man. This is like a movie of the week. This is like a really mm. like shitty looking like thing. And it seemed okay, no great shapes. I was like, 
I'm wondering why Batflex signed on to this. I'm sitting there going, why Why do you, like, you've obviously got, you can do anything. Why Once did again, you sign on to this? Stop referring to Batflex. Okay. He's just Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck, right? <laughs> Then as the film goes on, I will say this, it does become bigger and it, is, it does become more interesting. Okay. Okay. Uh, I've got it. I'm going to watch it. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not amazing. I probably would have expected more from Robert Rodriguez. It's not very Rodriguezian. You know? Yeah, that's a shame. I would watch anything that's aimed at adults by Robert Rodriguez. He's, he's earned that goodwill from me from his early films. It's sort of perfunctorily filmed. It's not like Desperado where you're like, look at that shot. Desperado, right? El Mariachi from yeah. Dust to Dawn. It's, it's, it, but it's like it's sort of like grown up sort of him doing it. The thing is, it's not. There's there's a couple of plot problems like where it's not quite clear what power the hypnotics have and how it works, and that lets it down. So I think I'd be interested in what you think of it. Definitely don't expect much. But you're recommending it. But I am recommending it because it's actually a well-made film. So there you go. There you go. Well, I would hope so from Rodriguez behind the camera. My number three is a film from the guy who directed a bunch of of years ago, Big Game with Samuel L. Jackson. Big Game. He's a Finnish screenwriter and director. His name's Jalmari Helanda. And then he directed Rare Exports, which is one of the best Christmas movies that's ever been made, if you've (laughs) ever seen that one. This is called Sisu. Heard of it. A lot of people tell me about this. Tell me about it now. Yeah, Sisu is basically follows a old, grizzled kind of veteran dude who's just mining for gold. Mm-hmm. It's the arse end of World War Two, right? And his country, I think, which is Norway. Maybe it's. I should know this. Some white person country, yes. Or maybe it's <laughs> Finland. Makes sense. Yeah, some white white country. Yep. Anyway, he's walking. Nazis have invaded his country, and they're starting to abandon ship. And he comes across a company of Nazis who then discover his gold and it becomes Mano versus Squatto. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Latin. Go on. Yeah, where he just goes to town and it's in places hyper-violent. It's completely ridiculously over the top. This okay. Movie. So he survives things it's not possible to survive mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you're just meant to swallow this like, okay, this is this movie. Is it a foreign film? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Is it good though? I liked it. I didn't love it. All right. Now, is it because... Now, with the hyperviolence... Was that what it was? The hyperviolence? Would you say in places? Yeah, in places. Okay. But probably not as... Like the trailer... The big prominent shot the trailer is when the Nazis can confront him and when a soldier comes up to him, he's got you know, an automatic rifle in yeah. his face. He just grabs it, pulls a knife out and slams it straight through the side of the guy's head. Okay, yeah. And then all hell breaks loose from there. So. Okay. That level of sort of violence, if you and the, and if you if you were to say what the problem with the film was to make it not great, look, it's it's fine to be very simple in terms of what it's doing. There's a lot, even in the ridiculous hyper elevated stylistic world this operates within. Mm. You have to swallow a lot of okay. ridiculousness okay. So to, to get there. A bit much of you too, for me, yeah. a little bit, and it just, there's not more to it. Like the the villains aren't that villainous if you will, and I've got a very similar film on my list higher up, which I'm going to talk about in a moment, which does a better job of selling particularly the villains of the movie, Hmm. even though now I think about it, some of these things, scenes in the two films are running together in my head. Yeah, okay. But Nazis, Sisu is is fine film. If you're into it, do check it out. Okay, Sisu, fine. Uh, My number three... This is the word, Norwegian word for, I thought it was, maybe it's a Finnish word for, it's got no direct translation. Into oh, okay. English, but it basically means you know you're going to go to the ends of the earth to exact what you need. All Something right, okay. along those lines. Yeah. Something like that. Okay, cool. Uh, my number three is a Guy Ritchie film because I always watch Guy Ritchie films yeah. without knowing what to know, and it's The Covenant, and of course. Flash in and out of cinemas in a heartbeat. This movie was, did it hit the cinema? Yeah, I don't, well, maybe. Well, I don't even know. Maybe if it not. Did. All right. So anyway, did you say that we did? Yes. 
The, co- <laughs> the Covenant is a film starring Jake Gyllenhaal, who I do rate as an actor. Oh, I yeah. actually think he's really great. Sometimes Jake Gyllenhaal is a nightcrawler, man. He saves the film. He actually is the guy. He's definitely a leading man. So this is about certainly war in Afghanistan. And it's basically it's a very simple plot. A local interpreter who's working with a company of, of a squad of like, um, you know, Desert Storm Crackers risks his own life to carry an injured sergeant, Jake Gyllenhaal, across miles and miles of grueling terrain. Now, you would think that seems relatively workaday, and I will tell you this, that... Long, every, right? It is, uh, I'm not sure how long it is, but it is a bit long, I will say that. But I'll tell you this, the more important thing is, every time I see a Guy Ritchie film, Paul, I'm like, let him be shooting like he does in his British gangster films, with the odd flourishes and the losing frames and the very, you know, the least like man... Camera rack to someone's f- exactly. torso. Now, here's the thing, I've always said this, Guy Ritchie, hit and miss, absolutely... He's probably the most versatile director, though, I think, in Hollywood right now. You hated Wrath of Man. Hated Wrath of Man. I hated Operation Fortune. Good. I thought that was better than Wrath of Man. But I, yes. I hated those two films. Yeah. Well, I didn't hate Wrath of Man. I thought it was average. Yeah, but... Ruse de Gu, I hated. Okay. I said to you, he's got a hit with his next one, or he's going to be consigned to... Ja- we won't see another big budget. No, no, no. I'll tell you something. Film. He did Aladdin, which made a billion dollars. Yeah. How many fucking years ago? Uh... Seven, eight years ago? You can't, you don't get a pass for eight years in Hollywood. So, why, personally, yeah, I agree with you. You're probably right. He probably does need to actually get I'm worried, one other pass. That's right? what I'm trying to say. He should do Sherlock Holmes 3, for fuck's sake. Anyway, because <laughs> um, that's the, 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 to me, that's the peak, like, sort of not peak, but like, that's Guy Ritchie do, using all of the shit from his gangster films and putting it in a different setting and yeah. making it still work. Now, I will say one thing is, The Man from Uncle is one of my favorite films yes, that he yeah. did, and it's and nothing Guy Ritchie ish, but it's still and amazing. This film's got my. Not got much garbage. This no, I would say no, but like oh but it is actually like he's he is handling slow-mo kind of explosions quite well. It is pretty good. Um Johnny Lee Miller's playing a gruff old American, very interesting. Couple of nice flourishes, like subtitles pop up to explain what IEDs are and things like that. I'll give you a tip. If you're watching this at home, turn forced English subtitles on. Okay? Very important. But like I said, nicely shot, no flourish elements, but it's good. There are times where it's a little bit drawn out, to be honest. Like and it could have been shorter. Homelander is in it, if you're in there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> right? Anthony Starr. Um, but the acting Anthony is overall Starr. strong, I would say, right? And it's like, it's the, you believe the character's motivation for having to go back and, you know, and all these sorts of things. And it sort of showed me that it's horrible how the Taliban has taken back control of the area mm. and all those sorts of things. Yeah, I'm keen to watch it. Yeah, it's apparently a true story, maybe. Then I looked it up and it said, no, it's not explicitly based on a true story, but it's inspired in real events that, that occurred in Afghanistan after with the U.S. withdrew their troops. So, yes, definitely worth a look. Okay, thank you. My number two is a film which, how do I say this succinctly, will fuck you up. Oh. It's called Infinity Pool, and it's directed by the son of David Cronenberg, Brandon Cronenberg. Uh This movie is an absolute mind fuck of a film. Infinity Pool, tell me about it. It basically follows Alexander Skarsgård and an Australian actress, Cleopatra Coleman. Really? I've never heard of before. Me neither. This film. And they go to this fictional kind of island on this resort. And there they meet Mia Goth, who is a bit of a darling at the moment in the horror scene based on being in Ty West's films uh, Pearl and Triple X. I'll take you Neither of which you've seen. Yep. And her hus- and husband, partner, whatever it is. And on this place, effectively, if you've got enough money, you can do fucking anything. In this island, okay, in the, yeah. On this island, including, as it turns out, murder someone. Wow. And so what happens is there's an accident 
Alexander Skarsgård's character is driving the car at the time. He's under the influence. He kills a local by accident, and he gets they get taken to the police station, get arrested. The main police officer is played by Thomas Kretschmann, who's in like uh, Inglorious Bastards and okay. the like. You'd probably recognise him if you saw him. Mm-hmm. What happens is they, through some ridiculous, which I never explain. I don't need to. That's not the point. A scientific way create clones of you, 100% accurate clones of you that then get murdered for the crime you've committed. Wow. So, here's the conceit of the film. Here's where it gets really trippy and interesting. Mm. Because once the rich realise, because you have to have enough money to do this. You can't, you know, if you're poor, you're fucked. You're going to be trying, and there's Mm -hmm. the death penalty and whatever else in this, this, on this island country. Okay. If you've got enough money and you can get away with this, you can do whatever the fuck you want because your clone will take your the clone brunch. will take. But the clone is cognizant and it has all your memories. So it's like you. It's you. Yeah. And of course, this film plays with who's really alive yeah. and who's really not. Yep. And it really gets in your head, and it's sounds interesting. It is really interesting. It it doesn't quite nail it to be a great film for me. Mm-hmm. It drops some balls, particularly towards the end of the movie. But boy, does it make you think, and boy, is it interesting, as you've just said. I would thoroughly recommend, if you can deal with this, there is ultraviolence and there is some really dark, dark themes in is this it, movie. Is it a horror? No, because, I mean, it's... Thriller? No. It's almost uncatalog. It's a sci-fi, thriller, horror, fantasy, okay, almost. Okay. Did you ever see the movie Moon? Yes. Yeah, like, like that. Jones. Yeah, where it's sort of like, oh, you know, who's... This film is much more overt than that film was. Okay, I, I imagine so, because yeah. that one was boring. But yeah, okay. Um. Oh, interesting. Infinity Pool. Yeah. There you go. So I would recommend check that one out. Okay, nice one. Uh, my number two is a film that I have been wanting to watch for some time, because we've actually talked about it with guests on the show, but I never got to it, and I always wondered about it. I was curious. The Fablemans. Oh, Fabulous. yes. So Jason from Binge Movies yes. came on and said it was one of his favorites of the year. And he talked about it. And the things that I'm, I'm actually going back to listen to that episode to hear what he talked about. Because now that I've seen it, it is basically the story of Sam Fableman, which is essentially an Steven avatar Spielberg. for Steven Spielberg telling that basically um, how he was a Jewish kid from small town USA. And then he, make, he learned to make movies. And basically... Uh, it's the story of him. So This is so divisive, this movie. Some people love the fuck out of it. Other people are like, this is simplistic tripe. You know what it is? It's you watching a, I guess, legendary director just saying, look, I just want to tell my story. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind if I take two and a bit hours to fucking do Because <laughs> it's fucking long. I will say that to you right now. It is long. But these are the things I wrote about it. One, Michelle Williams is an amazing actress. Mm-hmm. She's actually nominated several times, I think. Oh, a couple times so for good. And, and I can see why. It might speak to anyone who ever tried to make a film, you and me, for example. Yep. Uh, because the lead character has one little camera. And this is back in the day, 16 mil, right? And he's using trolleys and stuff as a makeshift dolly and stuff. And he's doing that at the age of, you know, 15 or whatever, exactly which is what, what we, we did. did. Which is what I've been teaching my daughter to do now. Oh, my God. She's, you're shooting, gonna make a- she's shooting things on the iPad. And I'm like, how about we do this and do it from this angle? And then we take... She's like, oh I want to do. I want to make my character, my toys move. Okay, well, we take one photo and we're doing. I didn't know you were doing that. That's yeah. cute. Yep. Man, if we had the technology your kids had now, I know our film like, would have been much fucking better awesome. Would have been. Oh yeah. my god. Anyway, um, so he's suffering the same problems we did, only in a 1950s way, mm. where so he's like worse than what we had to do with. Well, yeah, but he was like, it's interesting enough that he's making his film. He finds out that you know, is, well, through I won't, I won't spoil anything except one thing. I'll tell you at the end, which is like. Through the film, he's finding out things about his family. You're seeing these are clearly probably things that actually happened to him. And it's obviously what he did. And there was one, I was sitting there going, 
yeah, look, this is good. It's interesting. It's not boring at any stage. It's a little long, except... And then there's this one thing I'm going to tell you about now, the very final scene, okay? Don't, should you spoil the very final scene? I'm just going to tell you because no, it's not It's not a spoiler. No, it's not a spoiler. No. I've got to tell you what it is. I'm Paul. not going to watch it if you do this. You did this fucking three or four weeks ago. And I'm God like, damn it. It's the best thing about it. Don't spoil it. No, it's it's the ah, final fucking scene, man. Do you understand the way this whole fucking show works? Oh, You've shit. already had 430 episodes to get it right, <laughs> particularly these top 10 last 10s. All right, let me put it this way then. I won't spoil it. Don't okay? spoil it. I won't spoil it. But the thing that he does at the very, and I mean the final frame of the fucking film, is so cute okay. and so interesting and so like, oh my God, it, it's like meta and it takes you out for a second, but in the most beautiful possible way okay. that it can. And it's really, really cool. It involves David Lynch. There you go. That's how you sell it. All you right. don't say what actually fucking happened. It's you so talk good. I would love to tell you what happened, but okay. Yes. So it actually, and put it this way. At the end of the film, after I'm going, okay, okay, because there's about two or three like laughs in here. It's, At the end, so that's a number nine film. <laughs> no, no, but it's like not supposed to be comedy, so it's oh, like okay. the dramatic type laugh. That's my joke. Okay, <laughs> but at the end, I bellowed laughing. But I don't expect like any kind of hilarious moment. It's just like, <laughs> is that okay? So um, that's the one thing I said that sold the whole movie for me. I was like middling, middling, middling. Oh my god, that's the cutest thing I've ever seen. Go, you know. Whoa, 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 whoa! In relative terms, yes. All right, then let's wrap this one up with our top number one. So my ten through two. Not that we do. There's no need, really, is there? We don't do a one. My number one, the best film I've watched of late, even though it's not a great film, but I did enjoy it. It's on to Netflix two or three weeks ago. With thanks to my brother who did put me over the edge to watch it. Uh, Blood and Gold. It's a German film from director Peter Thorwath, who last year directed, last year? The year before, directed Blood Sky or something along those lines. I've never heard of that dude. Blood Red Sky, I'm sorry. And that's a vampire on a plane and film. that's why. Go which on. is good fun. I enjoyed it. This one is a hundred minute, very tight kind of film where... Blood Gold, did you say? Blood and Gold. Blood and Gold. And it follows... A German soldier who's mm. defecting from the army because he doesn't agree with what the hell's going on. The atrocities that he's witnessed. The, the Germans are about to lose the war and his ex-squad are hunting him down and trying to kill him. Meanwhile, there is this whole bunch of Jewish gold in this particular town. And the leader of this squad, whatever SS soldier that he is, is angling to get this gold whilst dealing with his pest. If I can put it that way. Mm-hmm. the uh, He joins forces with a couple of Jewish people and they... Basically, go to town killing Nazis. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's fun. It, and it's <laughs> this is this film is so inglorious, bastards. It almost wears. It's almost becomes parody. It's so homaging, inglorious bastards. Is that so? In, in a sense of it's that exact same sensibility. It's shot very similarly. Obviously, it doesn't have Tarantino's dialogue, and it's in German, so I wouldn't be able to tell anyway. But there is so many. It's that that level of violence and gore attached to it. Really. And, yeah, it's uh, it's good fun. I think it sounds kind of interesting, actually. So it's absolutely would recommend watching the movie. It's on Netflix. Go check it out. Clearly, it's my number one. Blood and gold. Blood and gold. I warred with this being a three and a half stars, but in the end, I dropped it just back because it just didn't get there for me. But yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Good film. Nice. Okay, fair enough. Now, this number one of mine, I know you've seen because we almost did it for the show, and then I couldn't make the advanced screening. It's air. Wow. Uh, yeah. That makes perfect sense. This is your kind of film. Well, you know what? This is the funny thing, Paul. Take this, back my wow. <laughs> this only just beats the Fablemans because of in terms of enjoyability, and I'll tell you why. Right? Shorter. <laughs> That's for sure. All right? 
But this is what I remembered watching this film. I wasn't even going to watch Air. Because, like, there's a lot of these um, on the market right now. There are a lot of movies about how a business idea defied the odds and became successful. And then the movie is about the company and the people involved and how it happened. And like, there's like, you know, like Tetris is like that. There's a movie called Blackberry, which is about the Blackberry that's yeah, like I that. that one, yeah. 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 And so I'm like, why should I watch this film? Right. And so I'll just give it a try because it's on, you know, whatever, it's on streaming. And then I realized Amazon Prime, now, Amazon I Prime yeah. I realized that the craftsmanship in filmmaking is the difference between okay and good and great because this movie to me just feels good. I didn't realize it was going to be such an 80s nostalgia bomb. And even at the beginning, they're playing like Money for Nothing. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, there's so many fucking. The needle drops are needle fucking drops beautiful, movie. right? And so obviously, you know, the, it's, it's, I'd say my heydays is the 90s, but the 80s I always appreciated. It's, I mean, you might think it's a cheap trick, but I actually love that. But like, it made me remember why I like Batfleck and Matt Damon. <laughs> ben Affleck. Um, <laughs> Because in general, they're good actors and they're good filmmakers. And I, the whole way through this movie, I was engaged. Matt Damon's playing this... But if you didn't know, by the way, this is about how Nike signed Michael Jordan to start the Air Jordan sneaker line, which essentially saved the company and made it what it is today and all that sort of thing. But the film itself, Matt Damon is just out of, out of shape, kind of like head of a division trying to basically sign these, you know, this guy. And he's, he's gambling everything. Ben Affleck is the permed... Like CEO of Nike at the time, and it's and they're playing real people. They're, like, they're playing is, real people. This and is they the sh- real story, but obviously told in a dramatized way. Yeah, and Chris Tucker's in it, so I'm sure Paul loved that. To um, be honest, he was good. He was great. He was great in this. Film like he's not doing the fucking over the top no, ridiculous shit. None of those things. So he's a competent actor when he's just left to just be a real human being. And in fact, there's a scene where he meets the Jordan family, and he. If I could say this, he turns up the blackness on purpose, and he's playing it like that, and you can see that he's sort of. Doing that to try and get their sort of, you know... Engaging them. Yeah, but he's, it's so obviously different from how he normally talks. So it's like, okay, how do I feel about this? And, and, because, and the scene went on for a while. So I'm like, I see what they're doing here and I think it works. So that's the thing. I didn't even mind that the movie sort of refused to end at the end. It's too long, I think, even for what it is. It's too same-same. And this is my criticism. Mm, the please, please. And the fact that we have to awkwardly jump around showing Michael Jordan yeah. doesn't, doesn't work. But... The performances are excellent, I will agree. There's some really nice moments in the movie. There's an absolute killer scene with Matt Damon with Michael Jordan's mum played by Viola, Viola Davis. Really good, wasn't it? Which is excellent. The so dialogue. There are, there are some really great moments in this movie and it's good enough to absolutely be recommended so I can see watching number one. Yeah, and you know, I'll tell you this, because and also because I'm a marketing guy, like when you yes. grow up yeah, yeah. when you grow up learning marketing, everyone points to two companies Apple, Nike. Nike less so these days, but even I always like that Be Like Mike campaign and stuff mm-hmm. like that when I was a kid. Like I was Mike, like, yeah. I like to be like Mike. That's right. And the, the, the head of marketing is Jason Bateman, right? And he's like, he's actually, it says in the movie, he's well known for having revolutionized sneaker marketing, which I would agree because that was the thing in the 90s. Sneaker marketing is that's the golden, you know. At so. risk of this episode going way too long, I did hear during the week uh, one of the notable Perth radio station morning shows mm-hmm. listed their worst ever celebrity interviews. Jason Bateman, number one. Why? Really? Kind of his complete cunt when it came to promoting whatever his shit film was that was coming out. Identity Thief or some shit a while ago. Really? Yeah, and he was just a, a surly prick to interview and they were like, what a cunt. That's so against type because he's supposed to be the nice every guy, yeah. you know? Oh yeah. my God. Wow. Anyway, that's beside the point. He's good in this are- movie. They're all good in this movie. So nice choice there. That's our list for our top 10 last. And obviously no one mentions for the topic this week. Let's get straight into it then to wrap up this episode, which is running a little long. Yeah. Now, feedback on the topic at hand is called the Pop 10. Talk about. Pop 10. Talk about. Pop 10. 
Kicking off this week's Pop 10 with Joy DiCarlo from the So Wizard podcast. Great show. Do check them out. Flaming Hot. It was fine and enjoyable until I found out it's 99% made up. Flaming Hot. Yeah, I don't know what that no, one no, is about, but okay. Uh, off the back of you, Wayne, Luke James Human, Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. Purported war realism on a satisfyingly current aspect of the conflict with almost no richiness. Agree. Eight unfortunately. Out of 10. There you go. Yeah. Jonas Lander mentioned him earlier in the show and a patron to the show said, Across the Spider-Verse with my son, he is of the TikTok 10-second attention span generation and did not notice the runtime. Nice. Thought it was awesome. Of course, of course. Hashtag kind of raising them right. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Stewart, Stew for the Stew World Oldest Podcast, said Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, scarier, creepier, funnier, better acted, and does not look like it was filmed on a $20 camera. This effort is vastly superior to the highly overrated original in literally every way. Dear God, sir. <laughs> Shots fired. You that know this one? Brave, brave take to say Texas, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is that much better than Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is considered one of the greatest horror films of all time. I take it you don't agree? No, I'm, I'm, I'm you're the best around just how brave he's been. Oh, okay. uh, I, I like the first one more than the second one, but I've only watched the second one once, and that was about 20 years ago. So oh, okay. maybe I need to revisit it. Brad Hargis from the Cinema Guys podcast said Mad Hardy is an absolute blast covered in cheese. Hmm. I'd never heard of this until top level patients of the show. David Powell did mention it. And funny, I should mention him because Mad Hardy, absolutely the greatest ultra-violent Swissploitation movie about fascism and cheese I've ever helped crowdfund that also had Casper Van Dien in it. Cheese. Interesting. Oh, he's, he's being you know, oh, it's about cheesy. cheese, but maybe it's about cheese. I don't oh, know. Yeah, okay. But also quite cheesy. Thank you for that, David. Adam Malua, top little patron show. He's returned to the fold. We disappeared off the radar for a while. Renfield. Nicholas Holt shines his over-the-top dark, co- gory, dark comedy. Also stars Nicholas Cage. So it automatically gets an extra star from Adam. Mina Harker, aka Dan, said, Watch Burial starring a bunch of people and Draco Malfoy about a group of Soviet soldiers tasked with carrying Hitler's corpse to Russia. 3.5 stars. I enjoyed it, but not more than that. Is Draco Malfoy the blonde child in... I think so. We, do, we are so out of sync with that. Yeah. Al, Emma Watson said she had a crush on him. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Not even Harry. Lee Allen Thomas said, Constantine for the first time suffers from ropey CGI, but there's a decent flick there. Keanu miscast, maybe, but he's always watchable and he's certainly giving it. I liked Constantine. He's all. Okay. Kevin Lawler, another top little page of the show. Kevin, good to hear from you. Sequel to Becky came out, Wrath of Becky. Not quite as good, but fun mayhem. Hmm. I've okay. seen Becky, the first one. I will watch the second one on that basis alone. All right. Chris Yinney, under the influence. Matt Locke is the abusive drunk dad of John Wick. Very made-for-TV, anti-drug-slash-alcohol PSA with unnecessarily odd Seinfeld-esque stand-up cut-ins. Wow. Wow. Quite a review. Yeah, sounds very different. And lastly, to wrap up today's episode, Paul Tabone, or Taboni, watch The Menu. Good movie, good cast, and enjoy the twist. 7.5 out of 10. Ray Fiennes was great. A lot of folks like this show. I liked it. We did it for the show. Did you like it? I can't remember. I I think I had a problem with the ending. I'm like, what? Yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, that, that does ring a bell. That's it for today's episode of the Countdown Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for this latest Top 10, Last 10. Wayne, how do the good folk get in touch with us? All those know their feedback on this episode or indeed anything else show-related. Google the Countdown Podcast, find our socials, hit our, our webpage at thecountdownpodcast.com or send us an email at thecountdownpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at thecountdownpc. You can like and follow the show through Podbean where we host and the Facebook this community, which is where you can give feedback directly to the show that makes it to the pop 10 now next week Wayne for episode 431 
We're doing something that we did for the first time last year, the seventh year of the show. We're going to do a bit of a wrap-up of what we've been watching on TV that hasn't made any formal review. Yes, that's so right. Anything we've started and maybe gave up on, and we're going mm-hmm. to rank them in order from the worst thing we've watched thus far that we haven't talked about through to the best thing that we would thoroughly recommend. A little yes. bit like today, so it's a bit of a top ten, last ten, but not really. It might be four things or six things so or yeah, seven yeah. things. We haven't got an actual number. Yeah, we don't have a number of things that we've been watching. So this will be our TV roundup for halfway through the year. Nice. Thank you so much again for joining us today. On that note, Wayne, anything else? Nope. My name is Wayne. And my name is Paul. And of course, this has been The Soundboard. I'll explain. And I'll use small words so that you'll be sure to understand, you warthog-faced buffoon. I'm still angry about the fucking Extraction 2 review. We'll catch you next time. See ya. See ya.